You know, if you remember the uh, fairy tale story about King Midas, you'll recall that the king was granted one wish. And what he wished for was that everything that he touched turned into gold. So his plates, his garden, his tables all turned into gold. Would you like that gift? Um, you know, as a kid, I would daydream about what I would do if I had that gift. You know, I'd touch our house, the trees, my sister. <laughs> but you might also remember <clears throat> that later in the story, this blessing suddenly turned into a curse because suddenly he would touch his food and that turned into gold. But the most heartbreaking thing of all was when he could no longer touch and hold his daughter because she turned into gold. You know, obviously one of the lessons of this story was a warning against greed or the desire for material blessings. But you know, uh, let's change that scenario around a little bit. But instead of gold, what if I told you that everything, let's say a blanket that I gave you, let's say that everything that this blanket that I were to give you, everything that you covered would be spiritually blessed by God. What would you cover with that blanket? I mean, you'd probably sleep under it, right? Probably cover your children. You'd probably cover everything. The question really would be, what wouldn't you cover with that blessing blanket? Now, if we did have that kind of blanket and didn't use it at all, you know, you receive that, you're like, okay, and you just kind of stuffed it in the corner of your closet, that person would be viewed as foolish, right? Now, before you start to get worried, like, oh my goodness, what direction are you heading in for this? It's not going to be a prosperity message that this world may understand, but I want to give you a different insight in terms of how we can understand the blessing that comes through the place of prayer. Because what I want to reveal for us today is that there is a biblical perspective on prayer that when we understand this, it can radically revolutionize the way we view prayer. You see, prayer is not just asking God for stuff. It's not just making a Christmas list and hoping that we get a bunch of stuff if we're good. That's not prayer. You see, something happens in the process of praying in the hearts of people who pray. And so I want to help us understand this perspective a bit more. And one key verse that I want to look at is Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 21. I provided that for you in your outlines. And this is not a common verse that I heard often. Actually, I never heard about this verse at all growing up in the church. But it is an important one that we can learn a lot about prayer from. So Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 21 says, For the shepherds are stupid and do not inquire of the Lord. They do not pray. Therefore, they have not prospered, and all their flock is scattered. Now, what an interesting verse, right? The shepherds, the spiritual leaders, are stupid because they do not pray. Now, it's strange because he doesn't say that they are unspiritual. He doesn't say that they are lazy for not praying. He calls them stupid. Did you realize this was in the Bible? Now, the word for, that is used for stupid here is in Hebrew called bahar, which means stupid. <laughs> or dull. Or unresponsive when there is an expected response. 
It'd be like, you know, during the meet and greet time just now, if you're, you know, going to your neighbor and say, hey, I'm Eddie, and then they just stare at you, you're going to be like, oh, something doesn't seem right. Or, you know, if you're watching the Super Bowl and all of a sudden your team scores, you're giving a high five and that person stares at you instead gives you your foot, gives him your foot. You're going to be like, something's wrong with this person. Right? You're going to go, something's off. He doesn't seem in his right sense of mind, state of mind. And that's the nuance. That's the essence of what this word is saying. It's like there is an expectation that God has of his people to be a people of prayer. And when that expectation is not meant, when, when that response is not given in terms of seeking God in prayer, he says that that is foolishness instead. Why does he say this? Because the wise person will pray because they understand the spiritual significance and power that comes through prayer. And biblically speaking, it is showing us that it is the fool then that will choose not to pray. So look at verse Jeremiah 10, 21 again. It says, for, for the shepherds are stupid, foolish, and do not inquire of the Lord. Therefore, they have not prospered. And all their flock is scattered. So there, he's making a direct correlation here that for, for the people who pray, there will be prosperity. And yet people who do not pray, they will lack prosperity. But what does this mean here? This word prosperity. The word for prosperity here is sakar, and it is not talking about material wealth at all. The word here means wise understanding and insights. People who have wisdom, people who have understanding, people who get it. They understand a depth of significance and understanding that this world does not quite get. So people who pray, he is saying, gain this wise understanding and insight. And because they know that God is the source of this in the place of prayer, they will continue to pray. So wise people seek the Lord. They inquire of the Lord. The fool does not. So prayerlessness is foolishness in the eyes of God because we are forfeiting the blessings that would have been ours had we prayed. You see, one way that we could look at this is prayers are layers of blessings that you are covering over the things and the people you are praying for. And so it is the wise person who understands this and realizes then, yeah, I'm going to keep covering people and keep covering my life with this layer of blessing called prayer. Amen? That is wisdom. That is the wisdom of prayer. That is the wisdom of God. And my desire is that we will grow in this wisdom and understanding today and for this year. So I want to highlight three layers of blessings that we receive when we pray. And there's many more, but I want to highlight these three because these three are utterly significant. That again, when you see it, when you understand it, you're going to realize it's foolishness to not pray. So may we grow in this today. So follow along with me in your outlines as well. 
Now, the first layer of blessing that comes upon things and people that we pray for is the presence of God. So the presence of God is the first layer of blessing that comes upon things that we pray for. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7. It says, what, For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is with, to us whenever we call upon him? Now, this verse convicted me when I was in high school, and um, so I grew up with the NIV, and so I, I like the, how the NIV translates it. I provided that for you in your outlines as well. Look at the NIV. It says, what other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? It is revealing that God draws near people who pray, that there is a special presence that God manifests over people and places that pray. Look at Exodus 34, 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, and he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone. Why? Because he had been talking with God. The face of Moses was radiating because he was in communion with God. There is something special that happens in the place of prayer that takes us into his presence in a special way. You see, God is omnipresent. He is everywhere, yes. But we also see in Scripture that there is a way in which God's presence is suddenly realized by his people that causes people to fall on their faces and on their knees and remove their sandals and declare that this is holy ground. God is everywhere. And yet, there is a special way that his presence will be manifest and made known to a people who pray. Don't you want this in your life? Wouldn't you want this for your family and your workplace? For the presence of God to become manifest in a special way where people will know God is in this place. That is a layer of blessing that comes upon people who pray. The longer we dwell with him, the more of his presence rests upon that life. You know, I was very blessed and fortunate to be part of a campus ministry when I was in college that had a strong emphasis on prayer and missions. And that's, I've, I could honestly say that's, that's pretty much where I learned the importance and grew in the significance of having prayer become your home. Um, and as you know, when you go off to college, it can be a lonely place. And so that ministry really resonated with me because they were teaching us that we need to live in the place of prayer. You need to learn to make prayer your home so that wherever you go in this world, the moment you close your eyes and you begin communion with God, you know that you are home. And so I grew in that understanding there. And that became helpful because when I went to Korea to pastor for the first time there, um, that was also a very lonely place. And so I learned again, because I learned to make prayer my home, it didn't matter where I was, God could plot me down anywhere on this planet 
And I could know that I have communion with him and that becomes home. But what was also pretty cool is um, Korea, as you know, is kind of known for prayer. And they have a lot of prayer houses, 24-hour prayer houses. And they have a lot of prayer mountains where people go and pray. And so one of the first retreats that I ever went on um, for my ministry, uh, somebody suggested this prayer house that they knew that was about a three-hour drive. And, uh, and then it was wintertime, so there was a lot of snow. And then we had to walk for almost like 40, 50 minutes into, in the snow. And when we finally reached this retreat center, I was exhausted. It was like 8, 9 p.m. And I just couldn't wait to just go to sleep. But we want, they wanted to have the first worship service. So we got ready by 9 p.m., whatever. But I remember the moment, even though I was exhausted, and I've never been to this place, and it was very small on the outside. It didn't look like much. It could, the, the prayer room could fit about maybe 50, 60 people. But I remember the moment that I walked into that prayer room where people had been praying 24-7, night and day, worshiping and praying to God for decades. The moment that I walked in, I felt like I was home. There was such a peace in that place that I've n- never experienced before. But what's interesting is since that time, the moment that I went to other prayer houses, even for example, the IHOP, International House of Prayer in Kansas City, that has also been in operation for over 10 years, um, that place too has been offering up prayers night and day, every day, continuously for over a decade. And the moment I walked in there, man, there was such a peace. I I felt like I was home, even though I've never been there before. And I realized that that was revealing to me how God's presence rests in places that are filled with prayer. And what a glorious gift that would be to make your home a dwelling place of prayer where God's presence rests for your children and your grandchildren to grow up in. Amen. May we grow into this, grow to be a people who love the presence of God and desire it more. So in wisdom, we will pray. Prayers put layers of blessings on things prayed for. And that is one of the greatest gifts we could give to people. Because one of the greatest gifts you could do for anyone is to pray for them and blessing them with the presence of God that they may not be conscious of yet, but God will be at work because God will surround the people we pray for. Amen? Another challenge for us, even as church leaders, is found in Acts 6.3. Therefore, brothers and sisters, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to what? Prayer and the ministry of the word. Did you realize that the primary role of the minister is to devote ourselves to prayer and the word? The first place we are called to minister is to minister before the Lord. That worship and encountering God isn't reserved just for weekend gatherings like this. This is crucial. This is important as we come together as a people of God, seeking the face of God together as a church. That is crucial. But this is not the only place where we encounter God. We were created to seek after and encounter God 
daily in the private place, which is why Jesus honors. When you pray, go into your room and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That there's blessings. There's going to be something special that comes upon your life for seeking him in the secret place. And God invites you to himself every day. So my challenge to you is to grow in the place of intimacy with the Lord. Grow in your love relationship with the Lord. Grow in your friendship with the Lord. Have you ever asked God, God, how are you doing today? What's on your heart? What do you want me to pray about today? What is breaking your heart today, Lord? What nations do you want me to pray about today, Lord? Have you asked, have you develop that relationship where it is two-way communication, right? That's a relationship. So that we move beyond the Santa Claus spirituality where it's, God, give me this, 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 this. All right, amen. That's not much of a relationship, right? But can we grow this year to one where we seek the concerns of God's heart to be our own? Why is it so important to understand as a people who are growing in our love relationship with the Lord? When we realize, oh my goodness, so you're saying, Eddie, that when we pray, we encounter and gain a part of God's presence in a way that is different from his omnipresence? That I could gain more of God, almighty God, creator of the universe? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And when you understand this, you realize, oh my goodness, it is worth it to pray. It is worth it to gain more of him. Because part of growing in our spiritual journey is to realize that God is the prize. He is the presence we receive when we enter his presence in prayer. And that is what I want for all of us. More of him in our lives. That we treasure him and realize that he is the prize. Amen? So that's an important layer of blessing that we need to be aware of. That we are releasing the presence of God in a special sweet way over the people and places that we pray for. Another layer of blessing that comes, that in and of itself would be awesome and enough. But there's more that scripture teaches us. That not only when we pray for things, not only does the presence of God fall upon the people and places we pray for, but also there's another layer of the power of God over the things prayed for. The power of God. Look at James 5, from verse 13 and following. Is anyone among you suffering? Pray. Is anyone cheerful? Pray through songs of praise. Is anyone sick? Call the elders so that they pray 
And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Prayer desperation, dependence upon God, looking to him, being connected with him, releases the power of God into the lives of the people we pray for. Now, the righteousness that he's speaking of, the prayer of a righteous person, it's not our righteousness. We are only righteous through faith in Christ. And the good news about that is we are, once we have faith in Christ, we are in Christ. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, and that same authority is now given to us. So now we are in Christ, praying in the name and authority of Christ, which releases the power of Christ into our world as we pray. One uh, author that's profoundly impacted, influenced, challenged, motivated my prayer life is Ian e. Bounds. He's wrote a lot of books on prayer, and you could get it all in one shot called The, Collect the Collected Prayer Works of Ian e. Bounds. Uh, probably my favorite book, though, that he's written is called The Power of Prayer. Um, I, I think I highlighted almost every sentence of that, which kind of defeated the purpose, but... In it, he says, the, this is a portion of that book. He says, what the church needs today is not new organizations or novel methods, but people whom the Holy Spirit can use, people of prayer, people mighty in prayer. The Holy Spirit does not flow through methods, but through people. He does not come upon machinery, but on men and women of prayer. He does not anoint plans, but he anoints people, people of prayer. There's a direct correlation with the power of of God in our lives and time spent in his presence with prayer. Much time in prayer is the secret to seeing God's power in our lives. He goes on to say, prayer which is felt as a mighty force is the immediate product of much time spent with God because intimacy with God is not attained by quick visits. God does not give his most sacred gifts of power and anointing upon those who show up briefly or casually in his presence. Much time with God alone is the secret to knowing him and knowing his power in our lives. Bounds continues, he bestows his richest gifts on those who declare their desire for and appreciation of those gifts by constancy as well as earnestness of their opportunity to seek more of him. We see it in his life. We see it in the life of Christ who spent nights in prayer. We see it in the life of Paul who spent nights in prayer. Daniel and the psalmist praying three times a day. Charles Simeon devoted the first four hours of his day to prayer. Charles, John Wesley and Martin Luther spent the first two hours of their days in prayer. The people who have most reflected Christ in character and have been most powerfully impacting the world were people of prayer. 
And I share this to spur each other on towards love, good deeds, and greater striving for more of him in our lives. All of these people that I shared were men of God who understood that prayers were layers of blessings upon things prayed for. They knew God intimately because they spent time with him frequently. It's a relationship of love, but also one of desperation. Christianity Today recently published an article looking at the history of revivals throughout the past 100 years. And one common factor that they noticed was that whenever there was a mighty move of God happening in a city, a community, a nation, it began with a few people who pursued God in the place of prayer and pleaded with God fervently for more of him in their city. They pursued God in prayer. Yes, they were praying, but also they were fervently pleading that God would move powerfully in their city. We need that in the Bay Area. Amen? America needs this in this hour. So would you join me in pleading for more of God in our lives, in the lives of our community, and in our family, and in our governments, and in this nation? Join us Tuesday for our monthly nights of prayer. Join us whenever there is opportunities to seek the Lord together. You know, the outreach uh, missions department, um, and I, we've been going through the book by Francis Chan, his latest book called Letters to the Church. Um, now, I warn you, don't get this if you don't want to be uncomfortable. It's probably one of the most uncomfortable books I've ever read. It is it, very convicting. I want to read for you a portion of it. And this one, he's directing to pastors, okay? So he's saying, um, I once told my staff to let me know if they were not praying for at least an hour a day. Uh, this way I could replace them with someone who would. <laughs> it's like, wow, right? It's like, you just have to stop there and start repenting, right? Uh, I would much rather hire someone who prayed and did nothing else than someone who worked tirelessly without praying. Wow, convicting. That may sound harsh, but prayer is that crucial. Prayer is not merely a task of ministry. It is a gauge that exposes our heart's condition. It unveils our pride, showing us whether or not we believe we are powerless apart from God. Man, I had to just stop and pray and repent right there. Are we desperately dependent on God to intervene in our marriage, to our children, in our workplace? Is there a desperate dependence that God, if you do not come through, I have no hope? Or do we live in such a way that we don't need prayer because we don't really need God in how we are living. 
Or are we living with the understanding of John 15, 5, when Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing? Do we understand the truth of that reality yet? Do we realize we need Christ? I mean, desperately need him? The answer to that question is revealed by our prayer life. And so let us be a people this year who will come boldly with faith and become dependent and desperate for more of him in our lives. A third layer of blessing that comes upon things prayed for is the purposes of God will be revealed. We are able to conform our will to the will of God in the place of prayer because by nature we are so selfish, right? That is why we have this Santa Claus spirituality that God is all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about my expectations. And so we need to have the selfishness of our hearts, desires ripped out and have spiritual heart surgery so that God can replace it with the things of his heart, with the things of the kingdom of God, with things that will matter for eternity. And that happens when we pray. Matthew 26, 39, and going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed. This is Jesus saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup of suffering pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. We need to learn to pray in order to surrender our selfish desires to become the desires of God. And that only happens in prayer. It is praying, Matthew 6, 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, in my family, in my church, in my workplace as it is in heaven. Pray the will of God into your life. Eugene Peterson says, prayer in its maturity is entering into what God is doing. You see, it's not a coincidence when you see churches that are strong in prayer also strong in missions. It's not a coincidence when you hear about the church in Korea or Brazil or even China now that are strong in suffering, strong in prayer, and strong in missions. Why? Because people who dwell in God's presence in the place of prayer gain his hearts and the burdens of his heart. And what does God say? And what do, in Isaiah, what does Jesus echo? For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. His house, his dwelling place will be praying and concerned for the nations. Do you want to gain a heart of prayer? Pray. Do you want to gain God's heart? Pray. 
Do you want to gain God's heart for the nations? Pray. Do you want to understand what your life existence is for? Why God has given you life and breath for one more day? Pray. That is why you are here. That is the wisdom of prayer. There is only gain. Only gain that comes through. That is the wisdom. That is the spiritual understanding that this passage is speaking of. People who get it come before the presence of God. Do you get it yet? Do you understand that there is only gain, only blessing, only benefits that comes through prayer? May we grow to be his house of prayer this year. Amen? Let's pray. You see, when you understand this, prayer is no longer an issue of legalism, but an issue of life. It's no longer I have to, but I get to commune with God Almighty. I get to interact with the heart of God. Can we pray that into our lives? Can we practice what we just heard right now and being in covering our lives, cover your children, cover your grandchildren with these layers of blessings, these layers of prayers? Can we do that right now? Let's pray together, shall we? As we talked about too, prayer is the place where our hearts change. The purposes of God become realized in and through the hearts that pray. If your heart is cold, pray for your heart. Say, God, change my cold hearts. Increase my spiritual hunger. God, warm the temperature of my spiritual condition to begin hungering for you. Help me pray and then you'll be praying. Help me to fight for my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, to a children yet unborn that they will praise you and generations to come. Pray that we as a church will be a house of prayer for all nations. anyone who does not know Jesus here and you'd like to surrender your life, your sins to him and spend eternity with him, simply place your hand over your heart uh, with your heart representing all of your life.
surrender your life to him. For those who would like to receive prayer after the service, our prayer team will be up front to pray with you, for you, as they do each week. And again, I want to invite you to join us Tuesday night as we take steps to grow in our prayer lives with the Lord. But before we close with one more song, uh, let's stand and let's cover each other with prayers. Let's pray for each other. If you're going to just place a hand on the shoulder of the brother or sister next to you, and can you pray a blessing into their life? Say, God, turn my sister into a woman of prayer this year. Turn my brother into a man of prayer this year. Increase their hunger for you this year. Increase their longing for you this year. Can we do that? Let's grow in wisdom, walk in wisdom as we cover our brothers and sisters in this church community with prayer. Let's do that together, shall we? Let's pray.